Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Philip Fletcher, and welcome back to another episode of the Humanity Matters podcast. Glad for everyone to join me as we uh, discuss what it means to be human in our society. Hey, if you have a message, email, comment, anything like that, you can hit me up by email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. That's humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can visit the website, philipfletcher.org. That's Philip with two L's. Check us out on YouTube as well. Just look up Humanity Matters where you can see all types of content. As always, check out Uh, My nonprofit that is located in Conway, Arkansas, the City of Hope Outreach. You can visit that website at coho58.org. That's coho58.org. It's been a lot of busy things going on for me. Had my uh, oldest daughter uh, move out for college this past week. And so uh, that's two of our three kids that have moved out of the house. They are on to bigger and better things. My uh, son, he is a junior in college right now. And so very proud of all the things that he is doing and uh, majoring in education and working. And he's got a bright future ahead of him. And then my daughter uh, was beginning her freshman year of college and majoring in business. So a lot of great things going on in our Youngest daughter, she's starting her senior year, and so a lot of a lot of feels uh, going on right now in the Fletcher household. But nonetheless, it's good to see uh, our kids grow up and mature, become young adults, and see all the great things that they are going to accomplish. School is very important. Education is very important. So I just want to uh, shoot out to you guys. This is my reading list. A few books, actually uh, five books I'm reading through right now. I got a book a day that I'm trying to hit coming from different areas. Looking, obviously, if you listen for any time, deal a lot with the social, economic, political and faith spheres. These spheres that all of us as human beings, we participate in on a daily basis. And so uh, just for uh, your pleasure just some books that you can pick up and read. Uh, one is Creating Capabilities by Martha uh, Nussbaum. And this is a great book looking at uh, 10 capabilities that Miss Nussbaum is proposing. Uh, and these capabilities, if they would be instituted in nations across the world, taking into consideration uh, the variety of cultures and, and governments and things like that, how uh, these capabilities can help support Uh, Human Flourishing. Uh, Another book I'm working through is by uh, the great Thomas Sowell and it's Wealth, Poverty and Politics. This one's a mind blower, uh, but it's it's, it's an amazing uh, treatise on looking at wealth and poverty uh, across time, across history, across different cultures and how things like society, how 
how government, how geography and materials available in different areas and what cultures value, how that addresses, how that impacts uh, the wealth and the poverty of different nations and also uh, the politics involved in that. And so I would encourage people to read that as well. Uh, Next is uh, God and Human Dignity, uh, looking uh, from the author Sulan, and it would encourage people to look at that. God and Human Dignity is coming from a a Christian perspective, and he's looking at how, as a series of authors, looking at how uh, we can recover uh, the truth of human dignity in today's world. Uh, From a business perspective, uh, economics, looking at everybody matters. Uh, and this is a great book coming from Bob Chapman and Ross Sisadoa, uh, looking at how uh, CEOs, how business leaders, I would even extend this to nonprofit leaders, and I would even extend this to persons in the faith uh, community, uh, how they can see from a human leadership perspective um, how to care for people, that Uh, The people are the why and the products and the programs that are occurring within organizations are the what. And so uh, finally, uh, my all time favorite uh, is Personalism by Dr. Rufus Barrow. Uh, This is just an introduction to personalism and specifically uh, theistic personalism. It is a philosophy uh, that greatly influences my work and influences uh, my faith in how I look at the world. So. Uh, That's my reading list. I hit one of those uh, once a night before I go to bed. Uh, It's kind of my uh, rhythm, how I slow down uh, after a long day. And so I would encourage you as well, uh, get a couple of books, expand your knowledge, expand, expand your understanding of what's going on in the world and how you can take that knowledge, understand it and be wise and apply it to other people. And so, hey, this is Humanity Matters podcast. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher and Uh, We're talking about human dignity. What does it mean to be human? And uh, a lot is going on, as usual, in America. You know, we got uh, this ongoing discussion about gun control is one of the big things, a big topic that is being discussed, you know, at dinner tables, coffee shops, you know, universities are coming back in session. I'm sure these are going to be talked about in a lot of our college classes. You know, obviously, it's been talked about uh, at different levels of government and obviously uh, at the national level with the president and the uh, House of Representatives and the senators. And, you know, as I'm thinking about uh, this whole thing about uh, gun control and reflecting on, you know, the crazy, sad incidents that have occurred um, the last few weeks, you know, what happened in Dayton, what happened in El Paso, what happened in my home state of uh, California, and then what happened a couple of nights ago uh, in Georgia around some HBCUs uh, down in Georgia. Um, You know, we got to look at gun violence. Uh, We got to look at it from a variety of perspectives. We got to look at it from a constitutional uh, perspective. We do have to look at it from a heart perspective. I think that's important as well. Uh, Something that's been brought up, we got to look at it from a mental illness perspective. Uh, We got to look at it from an ideological perspective and look at why are uh, 
in many cases, why are young men doing these things? And in in a lot of cases, why are young white males uh, choosing uh, to do these mass shootings? But also, we got to take in consideration uh, that gun violence has been going on uh, for decades. It's been going on. Uh, I was reflecting on the fact, you know, growing up in Southern California, uh, especially during the late 80s and 90s, we had a lot of gun violence going on in the L.A. area. You know, there's gun violence going on still in Chicago and and going on in Baltimore and some of these urban cities. And, um, you know, now that this gun violence is now taking root in these urban areas, excuse me, suburban areas, Um, Now, to me, and this is just from my vantage point, it seems now gun violence is taking on a more um, national interest. It's being described now as a public health issue. And it makes me wonder, was it not a public health issue when it was happening in L.A.? It's happening in Chicago, Baltimore. Why is it now just a public health issue? Is it just because it's hitting Walmarts and it's hitting these high schools and, um, you know, these areas that once felt safe and secure and comfortable and away from, you know, the, the, the inner city and everything that goes on with that? I mean, those are questions that I think we need to ask ourselves as we uh, continue to have this discussion at all levels of our society. But I do have three questions. One for politicians, a couple for politicians, uh, some for our private citizens, and then some for our hardcore 2A uh, individuals. So I will say first and foremost, you know, the Constitution is supposed to govern our lands. You know, um, the Constitution sets up a Bill of Rights and these Bill of Rights sets up uh based off of what is laid out in the Declaration of Independence and what's in the preamble, uh, that these rights are not to be infringed upon by the government, specifically the federal government, that the federal government cannot infringe upon uh, these rights. You know, freedom of religion, freedom of speech in there, the Second Amendment, uh, the right to bear arms, you know, in order to have a a, uh, militia. And so for the politicians, you know, one of the things uh, I have to ask myself is uh, for those politicians that want to do away with, quote, unquote, assault rifles, which these are are not um, these military style rifles, which I think is a a poor description of these uh, weapons. uh, The question I have for politicians is. Why are you seeking to take away these very weapons that are actually used to protect you when you go out in public? We have to understand that, you know, we're paying the salaries of these politicians, but we're also paying for their protection. And what are they being protected by? They're being protected by many of the same weapons. They're asking to be banned in the general public. Something to consider. You know, the second question I got for politicians is if these weapons of quote unquote war, that's how they're being described, uh, should not be on our streets. Then why do 
politicians, whether Congress, Senate, why do they bring them on our streets during their protection, during their detail? And so it, there's this, there's, there could be this temptation, this slippery slope of uh, one group of people is deserving of these type of weapon, weapons, but another group of people cannot have the right to these weapons. And the, the reason for these weapons is for protection, to, to protect life, to prevent some type of crime of happening to these politicians. And so the question I have for politicians is, if you're seeking to ban these weapons among private citizens, will you also ban their use for your own protection? Something to consider, you know, for uh, private citizens who are really pushing for uh, gun control, universal background checks, red flag laws, so on and so forth. The questions I have for uh, you men and women that I would like to know is what level of protection is acceptable for a citizen? And then who determines what's acceptable? Like me, I collect knives. I've got small knives. I've got large knives. I've got swords. Uh, those are the things I like to collect. They're sharp. They're easily accessible. Uh, I carry them on my person, but I also have them in my home. Um, I also know how to use a wide range of firearms from uh 22 caliber all the way up to uh, I can shoot a tank. I can still get in the tank with a little bit of refresher and 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 rock that. You know, 50 caliber I can use, 240 Bravos I can use, M16s, um, just you know a wide range of weapons due to my military training. But the question I have for myself is for uh, those that want to. Uh, restrict access, the question is, I have, is what level of protection is acceptable? And who gets to determine that? I have determined for myself, knives and swords, so on and so forth. Somebody else may want to have a rifle, a nine mil in that family. Uh, maybe just a 22, something small enough to carry in their purse or on their Hip. Who gets to determine what is acceptable? And then finally, for more hardcore Second Amendment persons, as we come close to a, a break here, um, what clarity do we need to bring to the Constitution regarding gun ownership, especially for those men and women who are not in their right mind? I think we have to ask ourselves that question. I understand that the framers and what they put in in the Second Amendment, but I also understand that this Constitution uh, has been uh, written in such a way that we can go through a process of amendments, of clarifying uh, the language, of having this Constitution be able to even reflect some of the, the new norms of of society, and we've done that many times in many different ways with voting, with prohibition, with uh, women's suffrage, uh, you know, hey, slavery, and so on and so forth. So, I think it's important uh, for all of these groups politicians, 
those who are pushing for more gun control and our hardcore Second Amendment uh, advocates, uh, for all of us to ask some very introspective questions. Why? So that we can take into consideration the human being, that we can take into consideration this idea of what it means to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, to consider not only our own good and the good of those that we love, but also the good of society. And with that, uh, you want to contact me once again, just uh, contact me by email, humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. That's humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send me an email, a comment, a reflection, a fill up your off your rocker, but I'll still respond because I'm very thankful that you choosing to interact with me. You can visit the website, philipfletcher.org. That's Philip with two L's. Check out the YouTube channel, also entitled Humanity Matters. And we will be back in a moment as we pick up uh, human dignity as it relates to society, excuse me, human dignity as it relates to business and economics. So you guys hold tight and we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Humanity Matters podcast. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher, and we are talking about human dignity and business today. As many of you know, if you followed this, we've been talking about human dignity and faith, human dignity and society, and now we're looking at human dignity and business. So where are we headed with this? Uh, It's very important. I do a lot of work with persons who are living in poverty. And one of the things that I have learned is that one of the two of the best things to help people uh, move out of poverty is education, but also a job and uh, being able to earn some dollars. But more importantly, uh, being able to contribute in some type of way to Uh, society uh, in the marketplace, being able to use uh, your creativity and ingenuity and your hands and your mind and your heart uh, to be able to move or produce a product uh, that benefits somebody else is one of the most affirming things that can happen with a human being. And so that's one of the reasons we're talking about this. And so Uh, You know, persons are created in uh, freedom. You know, this is a reality. As many of you know, I've I've, uh, shared that I'm coming from the perspective that men and women and children are conceived, made in the image and likeness of God. They uh, are expressions of the Imago Dei. They are reflecting uh, the Trinitarian God. And, And as such, Uh, Persons are created in freedom. Now, some may say, well, you know, what do you mean we're created free? Uh, I can hear like my reformed brothers and sisters say, well, you know, what about, you know, bondage of the will and that we're born in sin and we're slaves to sin? And I understand that from a uh, spiritual understanding of 
not being able to fully relate to God because of our uh, fallen nature. Uh, but that fallen nature does not destroy uh, the freedom that we have been made in. You know, at the same time, freedom in the sense uh, uh, we're able to do things uh, that reflect the God in whose image we've been made, that we are uh, have the capacity at some level to reflect the supreme person, God. And and through these acts, while the motives of these acts may be suspect and questionable, uh, needless to say, these are acts such as love, communion, forgiveness, uh, being able to create, give an encouraging word to speak boldly. Uh, all of these are communicable attributes uh, that exist in the Trinitarian God, but they also are resident in human beings because we've been made in the image and likeness of God. And so uh, persons uh, demonstrate that uh, being created in freedom, uh, they have also the capacity to do things uh, that encourage uh, freedom. And so, you know, freedom also gives us uh, a propensity to act outside the norm. So I'm thinking for a minute, you think of monastic type groups and a lot of religious groups. Uh, these men and women, they choose to act, out, act outside the norm of the general population. And so they make vows of poverty or they, they isolate themselves and uh, they do meditation and reflection uh, the majority of their day. They're giving themselves to some high degree of work uh, that is outside the norm of the uh, general population. If, you know, if that's hard to conceive, you know, you can think of artists who choose to uh, create objects reflecting or capturing uh, reality. What does freedom look like? You know, no two jazz musicians are the same. You know, you, you look at blues, no two blues artists are the same. I think about uh, rap and hip hop. You can have uh, someone from the West Coast and someone from the East Coast look at some aspect of the society and just drop completely different rhythms, completely different bars. And yet, and all of that is a reflection of the freedom uh, that these persons have been made in. And so because persons are created in freedom, um, how can we apply this to the business world? What does it look like for persons who are made in freedom uh, to participate in uh, what would be called the marketplace? And, you know, studies have shown that uh, the free market, when entrepreneurship takes root, when Work is affirmed regardless of the type of work that a person is doing. Uh, that when persons are educated, this is another demonstration of, of people actualizing their freedom, them being able to take charge of who they are and, and then what they are doing, being proceeds doing, uh, and then making a life for themselves that is good, but then also uh, the work that they are doing, what they are contributing is a benefit to uh, society. And so, you know, you can think about uh, two persons coming into contact with one another. You got person A, you know, he or she sees a need. 
you know, they got this idea churning in their head. Uh, they begin to look at, hey, what do I have around me that can make this idea a reality? And then uh, seeing the need, coming up with an idea, drawing it out on paper or in a book or on a computer or, or whatever their method is, then they create a solution. And what's awesome is persons who are created in freedom and then having the freedom to observe a need and develop an idea and create a solution. What is also needs to be taken into consideration that there's a variety of variables that can influence the idea and the solution. So once again, what's running in the back of my mind is a soul and his book, Wealth, Poverty and Politics. And one of the things that he points out is that you can look at uh, two different nations and how they develop. And they develop differently because of the resources, the geographic resources that exist in their area. So you can look at one nation that has a long river running through it and everything that can accompany that versus a, a, a nation that is landlocked and has no river that's running through it. And the different uh, solutions that come up to address particular needs. But why is this happening? Because persons who are uh, created in freedom are using their freedom and the resources that are around them to address a need. And so person A is exercising freedom through thought and creativity and ingenuity. You know, person A is participating in and not only seeking to improve himself or herself, but Person A is also seeking to improve society. And so I'm thinking of uh, Carol Votiva, who later became Pope John Paul II. And he describes this in uh, one of his encyclicals, uh, Labrum Excerns, that uh, one of the beauties of uh, human beings and the affirmation of their dignity and worth is that them being able to use the labor that is coming from their hands taking the resources that are around them and using those resources, using the creativity and ingenuity, creating, if you will, technology in order to not only improve their own selves, but it gives an opportunity as well for an exchange with somebody else so that their life is improved. So that gives us an opportunity to transition to person B. So person B has a problem, right? And so person B doesn't have the desire for whatever reason, the resources for whatever reason, the creativity to develop his or her solution to address his or her problem. And so they go out seeking a solution. And lo and behold, person B runs into person A. Person A saw the need of person B and person A created the solution. Person B interacts with person A and is like, hey, I got this problem. You got the solution to my problem. What can we do about this? And so um, person B now is exercising his or her freedom of thought, of investigation and observation. And person B freely wants to participate with person A to address this need of solution. So for instance, let's think about you know, person B, they got a bowl and they got some soup, right? And 
Uh, person B, what they do is they take the bowl and they bring the soup up to their face and the soup falls all over their they face and it, you know, gets their clothes dirty, so on and so forth. This is a problem. Person A is like, you know what? What can we do to alleviate the problem? You know, food being wasted, clothes being dirtied. And so person A comes up with this utensil. We'll call it a spoon. This is technology. And person A says, hey, I got this that can help you, person B, eat your food and have clean clothes. Solution. And so person B is like, well, what is that worth to you? And person A thinks again in his or her freedom says, you know what? It's taking me this much time. It's cost me this much resource. I will exchange, I don't know, uh, you know, a couple of beans for a spoon. There's an exchange happening. You know, we could fast forward. Um, person A says, hey, you know what? I got four spoons here. How about you exchange me some corn for four spoons? So it's an exchange happening. Person A and person B have agreed to do an exchange and what they're exchanging, both things that's being exchanged have some level of value. Now, obviously in our society today, what that looks like is when I go to a store and I want to buy a bang, right? I like to use bangs for working out, good pre-workout type mix. And, you know, and I go to a store and it's like, okay, it's $2, okay? So I have $2, they have the bang, they have the solution, I have a need, okay? I give the store $2, I'm giving them something of value, and they're giving me something of value, the bang. And then both of us leave. We both entered freely into a transaction. Both of us receive what we uh, need and want it, and then we go about our business. This is the beauty of persons being created in freedom. And this is the beauty of that freedom being actualized as two persons or a group of persons freely enter into a transaction with one another so that needs are met. And so at the end, a personal situation is addressed, a personal life is improved, but also a societal good is contributed. So this is Dr. Philip Fletcher. This is Humanity Matters Podcast. You can email me at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. If you got a question, a comment, um, anything you want to reflect on on what I've said, you can also visit the website philipfletcher.org. That's two L's. Check out the YouTube channel under the same name, Humanity Matters. And also check out our nonprofit the City of Hope Outreach. The website is coho58.org. So persons having the freedom to create and select solutions to their problems is a great example of how human flourishing and affirmation of human dignity can occur. So we think about human dignity. Now I'm thinking about persons in poverty again, right? Persons who are um, living day to day, um, in uh, very low economic type conditions. And so what does it mean for human dignity? You know, it honors 
the capabilities of persons to determine for themselves the best solutions for their unique needs. Like all of us have different needs. And so a top down one size fits all approach, you know, it's it's not respecting uh, the beauty and the worth uh, of who we are as human beings. And so it's important uh, that these capabilities be honored, that these individual needs be honored. But what about human flourishing? You know, to be happy, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's human flourishing. The Jews understood it as shalom or peace. It's, it's persons who create solutions, having the opportunity to support themselves, but also others. That's their finding their happiness. It's not necessarily about what is accumulated. It's not about really how about someone is losing or gaining. It's the fact that a person whose dignity is being affirmed and then a person who has the opportunity to 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 participate freely in society to uh, impact not only his or her own life, but the life of his or her family, but also society. That's some great examples of human flourishing. So that is what we're talking about today, human dignity and uh, in the world of business. And so how can you take that and apply it to your business or to your nonprofit? Hey, hey, look around. What opportunities can you give to the men and women who work alongside you or under you, the opportunities to flourish in your business world? Whether you're in a large business or a small mom and pop business or you have a online business, what opportunities can you give men and women to flourish, to to use their creativity, to use their ingenuity, to use um, their minds and their intellect to create in beautiful ways? What opportunities can you give the persons um, who are in need of a job the opportunity uh, to identify a need, use their mind to create? come up with an idea, and then create a solution. And in doing so, they may create their own job. And in doing so, they may be able to provide for their family and maybe one day hire somebody else. Look at the beauty of that. Just some recommendations for you to consider. Uh, On Netflix, there's this great documentary called Pursuit. It's called Pursuit, and it's Arthur Brooks of the American Enterprise Institute who looks at these different areas and sees uh, how uh, the practice of the free market, free enterprise is able to impact persons who are poor and see them flourish as human beings. Uh, Again, in the realm of business, I would encourage you to read Everybody Matters by Bob Chapman and Raj uh, Sisodoia. It's a great text that looks at how uh, we can, as leaders, especially in the business sector, and want to also apply this to nonprofits, that we can look at our most important resource are people. They are the why of the organization. They are the why of the business. They are the why of the nonprofit and how we can f- grow to uh, through human leadership, 
personalism, basically, uh, to treat them as human beings, but then also to see that the programs that the human beings are leading and serving in, those are the what. But those what's are meant to do what? Serve the human being. I would also encourage you to check out Conductor. That's a local entrepreneurship uh, type program here in Conway, Arkansas. It's led by uh, one of my leadership peers, uh, Kim Lane. It's a great opportunity. And so check Conductor out. And once again, thank you for uh, chiming in and listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. Again, if you've got a comment, want to leave a message or anything like that, just email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Visit the website, philipfletcher.org. That's two L's, everybody. You can check us out on YouTube, Humanity Matters. Check out my nonprofit, where we're seeking as a community development organization uh, to impact lives uh, on the foundation of human dignity for the glory of God. So you guys take care and God bless. This has been Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org, or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, We can do the impossible.